Oh, welcome into a brand new Tuesday scramble, May 3rd. My goodness, 2022nd. I'm Rick Gaming, that right there. Andy Lack. Andy, Andy, Andy. It's already May. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, this uh this golf schedule, uh, it, it, you know, it's it goes by it, it's a we're in a weird period right now, right? Where it feels like we're in a little bit of a lull a little bit, uh, but it it sneaks up on you. I mean, we are already a week and a half away, essentially, from major number two. Yeah, that's crazy. This week, Byron Nelson, and then at the second, as as it tends to happen, the second the putt drops on Sunday at Byron Nelson to end it, it'll be PGA Championship all in. Tiger seemingly going to be there. Yeah, so it's I. It'll be it'll be August before you know it. And the way that uh that content works these days, like it's PGA Championship week, like two weeks ahead. Like people are probably gonna, we're probably gonna have to cover the PGA Championship during the Byron Nelson because more people, and rightfully so, will be interested in that tournament. And for us in this little niche, the pricing mm-hmm. will come out early. The pricing will come out on like Friday or Saturday, and we will essentially preempt the Byron Nelson for, for PGA championship content, which I love. I love when the pricing comes out early, I would pay for DraftKings to do that a little bit more often. I completely understand why they don't, uh, but that would make me very happy. You know, what's interesting though, is I think, and this kind of dovetails what we'll talk about this week at TPC Potomac. I think that the field next week is actually going to be better than the field this week, because why would you go play in Maryland? two weeks before when you could play an hour away from Southern Hills the week prior. I agree. Uh, So we won't know until Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. That's the deadline to get in. But I imagine it's going to be pretty stout next week. There's already been a fair amount of commitments. I think we've got Brooks, Sam Burns, Zalatoris. I think Xander withdrew from this tournament to play in next week. Um, So, yeah, I think it will be a uh, a pretty stout field. Not that this one's that terrible by any means. No, it's fine. Um, we are indeed presented by Prize Picks, so we do have some props coming up later in the show. We've got four props that, if you put them all together in a power play, will return ten x on your money. If you are victorious, we're going to get to our head to head stuff. We're going to get to our one and done strategy and selections. The code you're looking for over at Prize Picks is Rick. It's uh, there's a link in the description. There's a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks. But let's go back real quick, Andy, because John Rahm finally does it. Got the first win in nearly a year since the 2021 U.S. Open. Uh, I've argued this doesn't change. I don't think anybody's opinion on John Rahm when you go out and win the Mexico Open, but maybe sparks him for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think it changes John Rom's opinion on John Rom, which I think is probably the most important, right? And and I think I kind of underestimated throughout the week, like the it's so tough to play armchair psychiatrist with these guys, but it, it seemed like as the week went on, it was like, oh, Rom kind of has that look in his eye where he looks like when he's playing in a major championship, like he's fist pumping putts on a Thursday morning. Like he is here because he needs this one, right? This is not about taking his wife to a beautiful resort 
or you know his new child to a beautiful resort in Mexico for the first time, right? This is he really wants to get some good momentum and he wants to get a win. We're almost halfway through the season and arguably the best player in the world wasn't qualified for the tournament of the champions, right? So he he wanted to get some momentum going before Southern Hills, which I think is an absolutely fantastic golf course for him. And now we enter this situation where, um, you know, he's scary. You know, a confident, motivated John Rahm, it seemed like he lost a little bit of his mojo, especially on the greens at the beginning of this, this season. He putted well this week. It faded a little bit over the weekend, but I think he has to be close to the uh, top of the list with Scheffler in terms of favorites heading into Southern Hills. For sure. The weekend was kind of weird. He did he did the vast majority of his work on Thursday and Friday and just kind of held on. I think he made seven combined birdies over the final two rounds. He shot like 68, 69, 500. That usually doesn't win golf tournaments uh, on the PGA Tour, Andy, but when you play as well as he did on Thursday and Friday and you just kind of swat away anybody who might be coming up on you on Sunday. That was, that was enough to do it. No, you know, it never looked easy. And to be honest with you, I think this is going to get lost in history. Uh, but he hit a tee shot like off the planet on 10 and it bounced off a stray golf cart and into yeah. the fairway. That's like a, that is a double bogey potentially minimum right on, on 10. And so, you know, those are the breaks that you need to win a golf tournament, right? But that's not, this isn't really a knock on ROM. It's kind of just proof that anyone who thinks like, oh, you know, this is a layup for ROM because this is such an easy field and all those guys aren't at his skill level versus talent level. Listen, it's still really, really hard to win golf tournaments. Tony Finau makes 30% of those eight forfeiters that he missed on Thursday and Friday. Finau wins this tournament by eight, by five strokes, right? Yeah. So, you know, Brandon Wu gets a, uh, he's two inches short from carrying that green on 18. He has, it's a difference between a tough bunker shot and having 20 feet for eagle, right? So, the fact of the matter is it's tough to win golf tournaments, right? doesn't matter who you're playing, right? You could, you could knock the field all you want. And so you're right. I don't think that Rom looked at his best this weekend, but I still think it was an extremely important victory for his confidence. Yeah. The margins are so small. We see it week in and week out on the PGA tour, basically eight straight rounds, Andy, where the favorite has been in the lead or the co-lead because you go back to Zurich Cantlay and and uh, Xander Shoffley go out and shoot 59 on Thursday. They go wire to wire. John Rahm does the same thing here. Are we just going to get Rory going wire to wire at the Wells Fargo? We'll do it for 12 straight rounds. That's interesting. You know, I don't think so, but it it <laughs> it was funny because we did start off the season with we didn't really have a lot of favorites winning these golf tournaments, right? And then we go. Scheffler at the Masters, who, if he wasn't the betting favorite, he probably should have been. He mm -hmm. earned it, at least. Spieth wins the Heritage, right, where Spieth was a little under the radar, but it's still Jordan Spieth. He's an elite player. Um, Cantlay and Xander, obviously. And then you have John Rahm, right? So it kind of feels like the best players in the world are starting to kind of round into form as the season goes on. Um, I don't know if I see it as much with Rory this week and we can talk about it. I kind of wonder if he would play, be playing this tournament if he had it won it last year. Yeah. Um, 
but we'll 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 kind of see. We'll get into it a little bit with Rory because I have some thoughts. Yeah, technically the defending champion, although as we will talk about, not going back to Quail Hollow. Uh, basically a wash in our one and done. Andy, you went with Gary Woodland, sixty thousand nine ninety five. I had Kevin Na, twenty three thousand two eighty seven. You remain two million dollars clear. Not much blood being shed in one and done in Mexico. Ball control. You know, I knew Gary was safe. He had a terrible putting week too. So, you know, I if he was a field average putter, that's a top 10 for me, which I would have liked, but it was a poor it was a lower end purse, right? I don't think there's going to be too many more spots that I really care that much about using Gary, although he's intriguing to me this week as well. I was I'll say. take it I'll take a T24 out of Gary, right? And I'm I'm assuming like a 40th out of Nah isn't isn't killing you either. Is is Gary Woodland the DFS guy this week? Because here's what always happens, Andy. Very popular golfer uh, finishes T24 or whatever it ends up being, which is just a fine result. No one feels scorn. No one feels excited. Everyone just feels meh. And then we get injected with six to 12 other interesting options and everyone moves on from Gary Woodland. And I'd probably argue this might be a better spot for him. (laughs) I hope so, Rick. I really hope that's the case because I like Woodland a lot too. I was doing some early ownership looking and stuff and trying to figure it out. I think he, I, I don't think he'll be catching anyone by surprise this week. I don't think he'll be potentially 20% like we thought he was going to be last week. And, you know, he was a super, super popular bet last week too, Rick. I, you know, a ton of people bet him and people don't like going back to the same guy two weeks in a row. So I think you're probably onto something there with Gary. And I I hope we get him at, at a little bit of a discount in terms of ownership. You're absolutely right. The people do not like betting guys two weeks in a row. I'm actually probably on the extreme end of that where I'll bet the same guys, Eight weeks in a row. I'm like, well, it's got it's coming. I like, you know what I mean? I kind of look at it as a macro level and being like, this guy's on the verge as opposed to saying, oh, it's definitely this week in Mexico or it's definitely this week in Maryland. Like it might, it might not be. It might just be next week. (laughs) I was going to say, Rick, uh, because I know there was for me, there had to be a moment on Sunday morning when Wise was like six under through 12. And it was like, well... (laughs) Rob doesn't look like he totally has it through the first two holes. There's some yeah. trouble here on the back nine. Wise closes. 18 is a possible eagle hole. Like we, I, we thought about it. We gave it a look there with our boy Aaron Wise. Yeah, Aaron Wise, if he would have won at 30 to one, I think I would have, uh, I, I'd, I'd be barely up betting Aaron Wise. <laughs> <laughs> I need him to win at like 80 or 100, not, not at 30. But yeah, good. He shot like a 70. I want to say 75 on Friday. He shot a 76 in round two. And finished a couple shots back. He's ruining, ruining that round right about now. I kind of wish he was in the field this week too because he's super accurate off the tee and a pretty good driver of the ball. Yeah, TPC, TPC Potomac, you've done some obviously great early research. We know just enough information to be dangerous. I want to turn our attention to the Wells Fargo Championship and we'll do that right after a quick word. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. 
Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, here's what the people have come for. They want to know about the Wells Fargo Championship. They want to know about TPC Potomac because it's not Quail Hollow. Saving that one. Saving it for the President's Cup at the end of the year. But we have just enough information, just enough data to be dangerous around TPC Potomac hosted Quicken Loans National in 2018, Quicken Loans National in 2017. Um, uh, Coming from, let's do it this way. Let's contrast this to the golf course that we saw in Mexico last week, because I think it's, it's pretty different right off the tee last week in Mexico, very generous. You're not going to get the same luxuries around TPC Potomac. Yeah, absolutely. I would say almost polar opposites in that sense. Um, TPC Potomac is very penal off the tee. This is the first time I think we've seen since Arnold Palmer, where the rough is actually a problem. Like players have to really think about the rough here. It's a Kentucky bluegrass that I grew up playing in the Northeast. Like it's pretty tough to control your ball out of because, um, you know, especially if you're approaching those firm greens, like it's a problem. And there's, it's kind of like wooded. You're cut the course kind of like weaves through forest areas. So if you're inaccurate and in, if you're in the trees, you may not even be finding your ball, right? So I think it is a nice contrast this week, Rick, where last week there wasn't really a lot of thought or strategy off the tee. You could kind of call it a second shot golf course where everyone was kind of putting it in the same places and the emphasis falls on the second shot. Not that the second shot isn't important here, but this to me is kind of like a step one, step two golf course. Like the second shot is irrelevant if you can't get the first ball in play. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to look at it. Uh, probably about three and a half inches on the rough. There might be a little rain in the forecast on Wednesday, Andy, which will help soften things up. But I also think it then creates a situation where you certainly don't want to be in the rough because wet, thick rough is even harder to deal with when you've got water on the club face. But it might help with scoring conditions at least early because historically – Uh, there's been times where TPC Potomac has beat the crap out of these guys. Yeah. You know, I was talking to actually your new colleague at CBS on the podcast last night, Patrick McDonald, shameless plug of the podcast, but he's been there. um, He's played that course multiple times. He's actually there today. Hopefully he's going to report to me on Paul Casey's back. Um, (laughs) But he he was telling me that while, uh, that area of kind of Maryland, Virginia, DC area, he lives about 20 minutes from the course had not gotten any rain over the past couple of months. It was basically like a drought, but it decided we, for tournament week, we have rain in the forecast. It's supposed to rain. Uh, I think it's supposed to rain on Tuesday afternoon. It's supposed to rain Wednesday night too. So I think the rain is going to help, soften it up just a little bit and that's kind of what we got the Molinari year Rick where right. Molinari shot 21 under I think he won by eight strokes but still second place was six strokes better than the 2017 Kyle Stanley year he was telling me he thinks it's going to be closer to that 
his winning score, by the way, was 17 under was his prediction, which I think is probably a little bit higher than people thought. Um, especially when you consider the fact that Kyle Stanley won in a playoff at seven under, right? So I do think that the rain is going to make it play a little bit easier, but like, even so Rick, like a winning score of 17 under, like the winning score was 18 last week. I never really felt like that course was like a birdie fest. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess because um, there were so many long irons into a lot of the greens. There were obviously holes that were gettable, but there were guys that were just hitting so many. Like, I don't remember seeing a lot of darts to one foot, darts to three feet. You know what I mean? There there were, there were, I actually thought it played very nicely last week. 100%. I agreed. And and we can, we can talk about uh, that golf course. Like, I, I think it really impressed me. And it's the type of place where, like, for example, next year, not to get, go back to Mexico, but are you like next year it's Mexico open week? Are you kind of like, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of excited for this. Uh, it definitely does not fall into the class of Punta Cana, Puerto Rico. You know what I mean? Like it's, I actually think it's really hard to take a resort course and make it playable for the PGA tour. And they did it about as good as I can remember in recent, in recent memory, right. Without, without the benefit of, 25 mile an hour wins in Bermuda or something like that. I, I I thought it was a really good setup. I will definitely be more excited for it next year. Okay. I very much agree. I was pleasantly surprised. And this comes from somebody who has been pretty tough on Greg Norman as a, as a course designer. Anyway, back to TPC Potomac. Yes. You know, I, I, I think we are going to get a situation where it's a challenge for players still. I think um, when we get some rain, uh, the receptiveness of the greens, that's going to help scoring just a little bit. But I still think kind of both of our handicaps, Rick, apply. Like, I still think that the general character of the course doesn't change a whole lot based on the rain. It makes it maybe a little bit closer to target golf, a little bit easier to hold these firm greens. But for, you know, for all intents and purposes, Rick, I think this is a driving accuracy course through and through. Yeah, and your uh, course breakdown is on rickrungood.com right now. It's must-read every week, but especially this week with just the little amount of information that we have. And what I like is you have some quotes in here about guys mm-hmm. and, and talking about um, – because it's it's easy for us to and, – and we actually did a very good job of it last week. Look at the – Look at the satellite images. Get an idea for what how this course is going to play. And I think we we nailed it. It's not easy to do. And getting quotes from actual players, like you've got David Lingworth and Michael Putnam and, and Hudson Swafford in here. Um, I, I I love that aspect of it because it doesn't matter what we think. It kind of matters what they think. Hundred percent. I am a massive quotes guy, and not to you know like pat ourselves on the back too much. It's not like either of us bet John Rom, but. Yeah, we kind of nailed it last week, right? Like you with the driving distance thing, like you look at the leaderboard and it's like, yeah, driving distance seems to matter. And I remember hearing on Thursday after the first round, Rom, Rom's whole interview was about how distance matters. And it's like, oh, okay, like, great. Maybe, maybe we were onto something there. The quotes about this course are markedly different, right? You hear the players talk about this course and the word that keeps coming up, Rick, is patience, right? It's you don't want to be super, super aggressive here. It's kind of a plotter's course. You want to be more patient. And I think that kind of makes sense when you look at some of the guys who have had success here, Rick. Guy like Ryan Armour, guy like Martin Laird, 
guy like Abraham answer. Even Molinari, when Molinari was at his peak, he was a very good, like, total driver of the golf ball. He wasn't a bomber off the tee, just very consistent from tee to green. And those are kind of the guys that I'm looking at this week. We're going to jump into our prop segment next, and then we've got head-to-head matchups. We've got one and done. So make sure you're all set up for the props. The code is Rick. You can hit the link in the description, sign up, and get your instant deposit match. But before we do that, Andy, uh, Antonio wants to know if he can find your podcast on YouTube, but the chat has informed them uh, him that you, quote, hate YouTube. You're available on Spotify, but you have not jumped onto the the vi- What's What's the deal? What You hate YouTube, Andy? I don't hate YouTube. That is that's the rumor. That's, here, that's hearsay. Um, no, I haven't made the jump yet. I'm old school. I'm thinking about it. It's in consideration. We're talking to our team members. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe there's some some stuff in the future to come. But no, not on YouTube currently. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find me over there. There you go. Uh, all right, Armina, hit the ad break. We'll do prize picks on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. All right, Andy, time to prop it like it's hot. This is our segment uh, presented by Prize Picks, where we hope to find four winners for Thursday's opening round. Now, we talked about potential softer conditions. Has, has that come into play for you in the simple round one props? Yes. So I'm starting with Russell Henley, who I'll talk about a little bit more in depth later in the show. But yeah, I'm kind of going with the boots on the ground take that, you know, maybe there's some rain, maybe it's not going to play as hard as people think. And I was looking at the under 69 for Russell Henley, which was one of the higher over unders of the week on prize picks. Um, I think this is a great course for Henley. He's very accurate off the tee, one of the best middle iron players in the world. He's actually the number one iron player in the field this year. Um, And again, this is more anecdotal than statistical. I wouldn't be shocked if the stats backed me up here as well. But as somebody who has burned a lot of money on Russell Henley, he usually comes out of the gate firing and then tends to fade on Sunday. So I actually thought that 69 felt a little high to me on Russell Henley. Yeah, the numbers do back that up. Uh, Par 70. So that's asking Russell Henley to shoot one under to push, two under to win it in hopefully softer conditions on Thursday, which is why I went uh, on a similar vein. I went under 68 and a half on Gary Woodland's first round strokes. And I just think Gary's in this weird situation where no one's all that particularly excited to run him back out there. We've already talked about the contrast of 
last week to this. I think this is a much better setup for him. I just think this is a much better setup for him. He can lean into vintage Gary Woodland skill sets. He can go out. He can shoot two under par. He can catch this, and everybody will be super thrilled. I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited about old Gary this week. Yeah, Woodland, despite having all the length in the world, has been really good on these shorter courses. He hits one of the best kind of like low two iron stingers off the tee that that's maybe his best, his best shot that he has in the bag. And you look at some of the places that Woodlands won too, like the U S open, even at Pebble beach, like that's yeah. the shortest U S open venue on that. We got that course plays like 7,200 yards. Right. So I think this is an absolutely great course for Woodland. Um, I like that one a lot, Rick. All right, so we've got Woodland under 68 and a half. We've got Russell Henley under 69. You're going with another Russell here. And this is a guy that I have also, uh, not in this prop segment, but I've also chosen to pick on this week. It's Russell Knox. Yeah, so I saw that the line moved from 13 to 12.5. Still completely fine with 12.5. 12.5 is still value to me based on what I was looking at. It just feels like there's a lot of, Prize picks is given a little too much respect to Russell Knox this week. Like, so pros on average hit around from in 2017, 2018, the two year average hit around 11.4 greens in regulation per round. Um, and I know that Knox is generally long term a good iron player, but lately he hasn't been. Over his last five starts, he's been completely field average with yep. his irons. And if I'm taking somebody to go well above the field average in greens and regulation percentage and likely at least have to gain some strokes on the field to approach, I want them to be in form. I want them to be an absolute stud right now with the irons. And I, Russell Knox is not that guy right now, and I just think it's a little too high for him. Yeah, literally 0.00 strokes gained approach over his last five starts combined, which is exactly tour average so under 13 or now 12 and a half greens in regulation for russell knox and then i'll take over 68 on tony finau i i think andy this could go a couple of ways uh finau finds something and he i guess starts contending more frequently starts to look like a better ball striking version of tony finau or we saw an outlier hot rounds on Sunday that everyone is overreacting to, including the line here uh, via prize picks, and that we just go back to kind of like, okay, Tony Finau, a guy that sprays it off the tee, which we've already talked about, is a very difficult way to get around TPC Potomac, a version of Gary of, of Tony Finau that doesn't putt all that well. Like the, the range of outcomes or the path to Tony Finau going over 68 strokes is pretty wide in round one. I just think Sunday might be an outlier that people are overreacting to. Okay. Um, I think Finau is one of the more interesting players in the field this week. He had the best tee to green week of his entire career last week. And if you watch Tony Finau on Thursday and Friday, he looked, I mean, lost is an understatement. He looked completely out of sorts on the greens. Like some of these four foot putts, Rick, they weren't yeah. even scaring the cup. And then suddenly on Friday and Saturday, he found the putter, right? And you find the putter compared uh, with how good the tee to green already was. And like, he was unbelievable over the weekend. Now, 
is somebody's T to green performance from the last week predictive of how they're going to fare T to green the next week? No, it's not. So it's going to be interesting to see whether he can keep up this momentum. I'll tell you what my ideal scenario is this week for Tony Finau, Rick. My hope is that Finau bombs this week and we catch like a 70 to one on him at Southern Hills. I think that's a good, you like him around Southern Hills. I think that's a really good golf course for Finau and I could see him contending there. So I hope you're right on Finau. I could see it going in a lot of different directions, but I hope we see a little bit of regression um, he let some people down this week is probably a very popular option in DraftKings. Um, and then we we catch a nice number on him at Southern Hills. Uh, Finau over 68, Woodland under 68 and a half, Russell Knox under 12 and a half greens, Russell Henley under 69. You make that a four leg power play. And if it wins, which hopefully it does 10 times return on your investment, the code you're looking for is Rick. There's a link in the description. It'll get you a 100, 100% instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks. Andy, two more things to do. Head to head matchups, one and done selections. There's kind of some interesting things in both of those. We'll hit them on the other side. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck Okay, Andy, let's uh, cover a couple of questions in the chat real quick. Reed Johnson says, thoughts on Smotherman and Lipsky in DraftKings lineups. Uh, I will tell you, Andy, Lipsky was in the optimal lineup last week. He has, I believe, three top 10 finishes in his last four starts. And Smotherman, uh, you know, toiled around on the weekend, 67th or something like that last week. How do you like their um, chances this time around? Currently don't have either of them in, in my pool, but uh, I would prefer Smotherman. I think Smotherman has, um, or he remains a very, very good ball striker, right? And and he was a guy who was 7,800 last week and um, was actually pretty popular. He's a pretty popular play last week. And now I think because he, he made the cut, but he finished six, 60th-ish and uh, the ball striking was there. He just couldn't buy a putt. I think on a course that favors T to green, Um, I would probably uh, like Smotherman a little bit more than Lipsky, who does it a little bit more with the putter and is you're getting a little bit more of an inflated uh, price on Lipsky coming off a really good week. So prefer Smotherman, uh, but neither are currently in the pool. Kangle Breakers wants to know at $7,500, Troy Merritt or Brandon Wu? Merritt had a weird... DraftKings line situation uh, on Monday morning where he was like 35 to one and 80 to one in other places. And then uh, Wu, of course, shoots uh, the course record on Sunday, flies up the leaderboard, finishes T2 last week. 
Yeah, I played high school golf with Wu. He can, he's good. He is a killer. He is a silent killer. He will step on your throat. Brandon Wu made me realize at like 15 years old that professional golf was not in my future. Um, I love him. I, I think you want to keep plugging and playing him. I've got no problem with that, especially if you're you're concerned about ownership. I think Merritt will be uh, definitely more highly owned than Wu this week, despite last week's performance. Um, and, you know, just not that it matters too much, but those golf courses that we played in high school were tree-lined parkland, bent grass courses in the Northeast. So I think Wu should be pretty comfortable this week. Uh, and I think I can handle this one from Rick Bates, who are the most accurate drivers in the low sevens and high sixes. Well, in this field, last 24 rounds, all price ranges, they all happen to be pretty cheap because that's kind of how it works on the PGA Tour. Most accurate drivers of the golf ball, Ryan Armour, Austin Cook, Kevin Shreelman, Satoshi Kodaira, Vaughn Taylor, Adam Long, Brian Stewart, Tyler Duncan, so on so forth. Uh, that's just normal, right, Andy? The the cheap guys are the accurate guys because the, the accurate guys are generally not the week-to-week -week killers. So when you get to a place where uh, accuracy matters, you can usually get a pretty good deal on about all of them. There's a ton of them. I would even throw Martin Laird into that mix. I would throw Lucas Glover into that mix. Like, yeah, there's a lot of good options in the high sixes and the low sevens that can really, really get around on this course. Neesmith too. I'm seeing Neesmith in the chat. Neesmith hits Neesmith is super, super accurate off the tee. Yeah, last one here from David. When will Svensson get his first win? If you can predict that, Andy, I'd be very impressed. And any Cam Davis love this week? And I will say about Cam Davis, the last time we got to a course where it was like, well, you got to be accurate off the tee. You might not want to just hit it wayward like Cam Davis tends to do was uh, Harbortown. He finished like T3 there. Big love for Cam Davis for me this week. Um he may even be like a core play for me. I love Cam Davis this week. Um, really good, a lot better than you would think on on shorter courses. Very accurate for how long he is off the tee. And very, very good on back grass as well. So, yes, big time love for Cam Davis for me. Svensson, um, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, he... You know, he's starting to fit the mold as like a great ball striker who can't really putt. So I think maybe I'd like Svensson a little bit more on like a more difficult course. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I maybe we'll see with Svensson, but I love Cam Davis this week. Yeah, it took Scotty Scheffler uh, however long to get his first win, and then he just rattled off, you know, four out of six. So hard, hard to predict wins, uh, certainly, uh, certainly for someone who, who doesn't have one. Head-to-head uh, -head matchups here. Every time I sniff 500, I can't get through. Two and three last week, 28, 31, and four. And Andy, you've done it again, my friends. Five and oh last week, 39, 20, and four overall. Stop the count. Stop the count. You're, you're, you're loving these head-to-head -head matchups. Yeah, that's a crazy pace. Probably unsustainable, um, but, you know, we'll take it. Yeah, I've said this a bunch of times, but head-to-heads, keep the bankroll going for me week after week. I, I really never put myself in a position where I have to rely on the guys that I pick to win the tournament, actually winning the tournament because I do so well in the finishing position markets and the, and the head to head. So 
hopefully some people have been uh, tailing, not just our prize picks, but some of these uh, head-to-head matchups. And I chose violence again this week. And like you'd think, Rick, the smart thing to do, kind of like my strategy in one and done, is just kind of ball control with these matchups um, to to pad my, you know, not create much difference from us going forward. But I just, I saw who you picked and I was like, ah, Maybe I can make an argument for the other side. Just take the opposite of all these guys. Uh, Tony Finau versus Gary Woodland out of the gate. We've spent a lot of time talking about both of these guys. Um, I'm obviously taking the the Woodland side as indicated by basically every single comment I've made up to this point. Andy, you're going to take the Tony Finau side. I'm fine with either of these guys. I, I like Woodland a lot too. Um, I'm with you on that. I, I think Woodland's a great play this week, especially in DraftKings. Um I think Finau, you know, Finau is a guy who he's been really good at a course like Colonial. Um, and he's actually been pretty good at a course like TPC River Highlands, too. So he can kind of get it around, too, and play great on these shorter positional golf courses. And he loves bent grass. He loves himself bent grass. He, he always puts well at the Masters, right? I talked about Colonial as well. His win came at Liberty National. That was another bent grass course where you are penalized for being inaccurate off the tee. So I'll rock with Finau, but I'm fine with either of those. Terrell Hatton versus Mark Leishman, an Englishman and an Aussie. What side of this one would you like, Andy? I'm going to go with Leishman. Now, Leishman's an interesting case to me this week, Rick, because he is a guy that actually isn't super accurate off the tee, but he played here in 2017 and 2018 and finished top 15 both times. And he's just the type of guy that he can get it done in different ways. And he's another guy. He's won the Travelers before. He's had a ton of success on northeastern bent grass courses he's won the bmw before right so i think leishman is a guy that kind of breaks the mold a little bit in terms of maybe what we're looking from a course fit standpoint and just finds a way on these courses so i'll 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 take leishman here i've said it a half a dozen times that i never get mark leishman right and it's basically because of what you just described he does not like Okay, he wins at Torrey Pines and hits three fairways. He finds success on places where playing out of the rough is just deadly, and he and he does it. It just like it doesn't make any sense. So I have obviously taken the Terrell Hatton side of this. So there will be there will be blood, but I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous that Leishman ha- has basically some of the best stroke skate numbers of anybody who's played here both years. I I don't think his form's all that great. I think he's got like one top twenty in his last, I don't know, 12 starts. And it was the tournament of champions, something like that. It's, I just, I never get this guy, right. I'm a little bit nervous, but I will can, I, I just think it's gotta be the hat inside. You know, it's interesting. Leishman's interesting too this week because he, he's pretty expensive on DraftKings. Like yeah. I was a little surprised at the 9.7 price tag, but that will create a situation where, you know, he will not probably carry a lot of ownership and he's right next to a guy like Keegan, who I'm sure we'll get to very soon that that a lot of people love. So yeah, Leishman's interesting. I think the range of outcomes this week are pr- pretty sizable, but you know, he wins. So, so uh, he's got the upside. Yeah. Let's just, I'll, I'll skip ahead. We'll go to Keegan right now. Keegan Bradley versus Seamus power. Uh, Keegan Bradley, the total driving guy. You mentioned he's going to be popular. Andy, he is your pick on this one. I think this is a pretty decent way to get some Keegan exposure this week because 
I like that. I cannot believe that he's like 33 to one in the betting markets. He's 28 to one in some places. He was a guy I talked up on my Sunday show as kind of like a discounted version of Corey Connors. Turns out there's not that much of a discount, right? <laughs> I, I was, I was very surprised to see his price in DraftKings. Very surprised to see um, his price in the betting market. So I think a good way to get down on Keegan is to take him in a matchup this week. And although I love Seamus power, um, I actually bet Seamus power at a much better number. I'm going to find my Keegan exposure this way in the matchup market. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good, um, pretty good piece of advice because do I think Keegan's going to win this? Probably not. Do I think I'm getting like a really good deal on him to finish inside the top 10? No, I, I don't really think that I am. The, the matchup market feels like the most natural place to kind of deploy him. I do. I do like that. Right. And, and Rick, do you want to play him at 20% 9,700 on DraftKings either? Like that's no. a no thanks <laughs> for me, but it's not to say that we don't think Keegan is going to play well this week from a handicapping perspective. Right. I think we both love Keegan, right? So it, you really have to figure out what's the smartest way um, to kind of deploy him. And I think matchups is a good option. Yeah. This was actually the hardest one for me because I, I ended up taking Seamus power. I love, I love both of these guys. Uh, you know, we, we've already talked about Keegan. Seamus is incredibly accurate off the tee outside of the uh, five shot lead. He blew with two to two rounds to go at Pebble beach. And then like a little bit of a hangover after that, he's been, he's been good. He's getting back in. He's getting back into shape. You already bet him, Andy. So I don't think I have to sell you all, all that much on this. I think Seamus is, I think he's kind of a sleeping giant this week. I mean, I, we're talking about a guy who went on this crazy run uh, towards the end of the fall swing and the beginning of the season. And, you know, people were betting this guy at 33 to one, right? Yeah. Um, I know I, I certainly did once or twice. And then he misses three cuts in a row, right? And, it, and it's kind of like, okay, let's back off a little bit on Seamus power. And then... He makes it out of the group stage of the match play actually, you know, makes it to the quarterfinals. I think he destroyed Hatton in the sweet 16 shows up to the matchup shows up to the masters for the first time in his entire career and finishes like 27th as a debutant and gains like over four strokes ball striking. Right. So I think you're catching power back on the upswing. Um, and I like this course for him, man. He, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. It's, it's a lot of clean golf. He's kind of like, C plus version of Cantlay, where he's just kind of good at everything across right. the board. So I think this is a good spot for for power. Uh, Max Homa versus Cam Young. This is the only matchup we are on the same side on. Andy, we've chosen Cam Young. I I just love that he does it at a bunch of different golf courses. Right? It's Riviera. It's uh, he did it at the Sanderson Farms. He did it at Harbor Town. It's just that is a very exciting thing. He's he's my rookie of the year. I, I I think he's on that path. I can't get away from him, Rick. I'm just I love the way that he's hitting the ball right now. And again, he's another guy where I think you're probably gonna have to worry a little bit about ownership and DraftKings, right? He's 8K, which is extremely fairly priced. 8K for a guy that people already love and is as low as 28 to one in some betting markets, like that might be a little bit of an issue. So if you're looking at ways to get down on cam young, I think this is a great spot for him. Another thing I like about cam young rep, he's like a Northeast met PGA guy. His dad was the pro at sleepy hollow, right? Which is another Northeastern tree line parkland bet grass course. So I believe that he will be very, very comfortable under these, uh, 
agronomy conditions. Two picks for Cam Young, which leaves us with just the big boppers remaining. Rory McIlroy, our defending champion, and Corey Connors. I think people identified Corey Connors as someone who would fit this golf course the second we heard it was going to TPC Potomac. And Andy, we've got to decide which one of these guys is going to be uh, victorious in a head-to-head matchup. You know, theme of the week. I I just like all these guys that I really liked in my Sunday show that I talked about. I saw the pricing come out and I I saw kind of what people were doing on Twitter. And it was like, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to any of these guys. Connors might be 30% this week. Like I'm not even speaking in hyperbole. I, I I'm seeing him on a ton of betting cards. It almost makes too much sense. Um, I I think this is a decent way to play Connors. Uh, I don't have any interest in betting him at 17 to one or even 20 to one. DraftKings, as I mentioned, could be a problem. You are getting him has a nice underdog to Rory in this matchup. Correct. Um, and, and what's interesting to me, Rick, is this one opened, I think, at like Rory minus 160. And now it's like Rory minus 135 mm-hmm. or something like that. So it's not just us in our kind of bubble, Rick. Like Vegas is pretty heavy on uh, Corey Connors as well. Um, but I think this is a pretty decent way to get down on him if you're a little bit scared of the uh, – betting markets price and DFS ownership. Yeah, this is another another difficult one. And, and I agree. This is probably the best way to get to Corey Connors. I took Rory McElroy here because it's Rory freaking McElroy, right? Like there's just a chance uh, that Rory taps into his off the tee play, whether he's going to be able to hit driver or not, uh, you know, yet to be seen. But um, when you put Rory McElroy fresh off of what we saw at the Masters, feeling good about himself, getting ready for this sprint, uh, I don't know, man. I, I think he's, I think he's fairly dangerous. And then if we get like a little softy on, uh, on Thursday, it feels like Rory could fly under the radar and be pretty great this week. I always love Rory on a soft golf course. I, I just, I, and he's got the DC vibes, right? He won congressional by like eight. That's right down the road. He has gained strokes off the tee basically every single week, as you can imagine. His approach plays back. The short game uh, around the green's been, well, the stuff the Masters was bonkers, but still still leaving some strokes out there with the putter, which I could argue both sides would. I could argue that's good. And if he gains a stroke and a half this week with the flat stick, he probably wins the golf tournament. So I, I just think that um, Rory's path to the first page of the leaderboard is so incredibly wide. Uh, that I could not, I could not turn away from it in this moment. Quick DraftKings kind of strategy ownership question for you before we get to the one and yeah. done. But do you think the fact that we've had two weeks in a row where the favorite at the highest price or second highest priced guy in DraftKings has ran away with the tournament? Do you think that will affect? how people think about Rory this week after seeing what happened to John Rahm, where even at 30%, 40%, 50% in some contests had to play John Rahm, even though it's a completely different situation, you could probably argue that the gap between John Rahm and the rest of the field last week was miles away from the gap between Rory and the rest of the field this week. Do you think people are going to look at what happened with Rom last week and say, okay, we need to jam in Rory at the top? I definitely think pe- people will be more 
uh, apps to plug in Rory. Yes. I just think this is a generally a very reactive game that we play. And not only did Rom win, but like they're also the biggest secret is whatever happens on Thursday sticks into people's brains, right? Because there's this buildup for multiple days and you could have a guy who finishes T3, but if he was two over on Thursday, that's all anybody remembers. And the fact that Rom got off to a hot start was the guy after each and every round. I, I, I do think it'll uh, bump up Rory's ownership like 6% higher than it should be. Yeah. And if, by the way, another thing about that is if this tournament was the week after the Masters, if that, if what oh, we saw God. Rory do on Sunday was two days ago, I mean, it, but, you know, now he's kind of yesterday's news, right? The Masters was like, what, a month ago, right? So, yeah, I think you can kind of, I like the way, I like the word reactive. I, I think that's a very apt way to describe it. And I think kind of capitalizing on overreactions is, uh, Something that I've employed quite a bit. All right, Andy, one final thing to do uh, are one and done selections. And actually, I think this is the first time our one and done selections, what we've what we've gone with this week is an available matchup on DraftKings, and they are both minus 110. So you and I are going to battle uh fairly and evenly this week, my friend. Who are you taking? I'm gonna go with Russell Henley. Um I think this is a fine spot to use Henley. Um, I have all the guys that I want for the majors. I thought about Rory. Um, I really did think long and hard about Rory. I thought about Finale too. But I'm going to ride with Russell Henley. I think it's a good golf course for him. He's probably not somebody that I'm going to be able to get to in the betting markets or, or probably even in DraftKings. He probably won't crack my pool. Um, I think this is a pretty good spot to deploy him. And I think he's a pretty safe bet to finish top 20 here, which I will take, to be honest with you, right? Um, your pick worries me because I think your pick may win the tournament. I bet him to win the tournament. Um, but even if your guy does win the tournament, I think Henley will play well enough to um, still earn me some cash. Yeah, my guy, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, who is coming off one of the worst putting performances of his career. No worries about that. Bounce back coming. Uh, other than that, he's been a top 10 machine, drives it well. You're never going to get him with like the third shortest odds. You're just not going to happen very often. And when I checked the outline, Andy, I saw that you already used him. So this was a pretty, this was pretty much a no brainer for me to roll with Matt Fitzpatrick. Did you bet him also, Rick? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, I caught the, I caught a 22, which I was hoping would be a little bit higher, but like, if you're asking me whether I'd rather bet Fitzpatrick or Connors at 20 to one, like, give me the guy that's won seven times on the European tour, mostly on tree lined parkland tight bent grass courses with thick rough, right? The one thing that I will say that worries me just slightly about Fitzpatrick is hearing from Patrick that he thinks it's going to play a little bit easier. Like not that Fitzpatrick can't win this tournament at 15 under. Um, but I think like, I would like it even more if I thought that this tournament was going to be one at like four under par, that would be the one concern I have with Fitzpatrick. Uh, and I think it's fair and I think it's a, a valid concern and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Now, Andy, you and I, we have a very specific 
one and done. It's just you and I going against each other. If you were in kind of a like larger one and done strategy, is there someone or someone's else that you would have considered for this week? Yeah. So if you're playing from behind, right? I, I, I'm never the guy that thinks even if you're super far behind, you should just go way off the board and choose somebody who's a hundred to one. Like I don't, you can always find somebody in like the 30 to 50 range that nobody is going to pick. I don't need, think you need to get that weird. I think some good options that my guess would be, you know, a good way to do it, Rick is look at what the DraftKings ownership is and look at, look at guys who people aren't clicking, but are still at a high price. I think a couple good options. I think answer will be kind of under-owned despite the fact that I think this is a really good golf course for him. I think he's a good one-and-done play. Leishman is another good one-and-done play. I think he will kind of be out of sight, out of mind. Um, who else? I'm trying to think in the 9K range. Um, I think Henley's fine too. I think Henley will, you know, he'll kind of garner his, garner his ownership. But yeah, I think you kind of want to, like if you're leading Rick, play Corey Connors or play Rory, right? Like no reason not to do that. But I think if you're trying to come from behind a little bit, you want to identify the players that aren't too far down in the betting markets, but that you will be able to actually move up on people if they do play well. Patrick Reed's another decent one, right? Uh, you'll certainly be one of the few on him. Yes. If you're trying to make up ground, Corey Connors is like the de facto, just look at everything and be like, well, it's pro he's probably a good fit. You're probably not saving him. If you're front running, you just click Corey Connors name and you move on. The best argument against Corey Connors this week is that it's not that easy. And these casinos weren't built on their own, right? <laughs> like he, he, he literally makes so much sense with that being said, I can like almost just envision in my brain, him missing the cut. Like I just like this, this happens all the time. So, it, you know, it's, t I thought, I think Corey Connors, it's almost too perfect. And the best thing that I could say on Connors to get you away from him is that it's not that easy, which sometimes it is. I don't know. <laughs> the last two weeks, it's been very easy. <laughs> most, of the, most of the time, it's not that easy. All right, Andy, fun as always. Uh, you can get at Andy on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. You can check out uh, his his written work at uh, rickrungood.com, his podcast, which is not on YouTube, but Spotify and iTunes as well. You can find me at Rick Rungood. Big thanks to producer Mina doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Uh, we will see you on Friday. Good luck.